Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Uh, yeah, you can take off your mask and welcome. It's good to see new faces, uh, some who've been coming for the last few weeks. Love that you're here. Those of you online right now, welcome. Really glad you're here. We are uh, continuing this morning in our series called Victorious God, Winning in the Unseen Realm. And um, before we get into the sermon, I want to invite Christy Duguid, you can come on up here, uh, to share with us how Jesus has really uh, pursued you with his victories uh, in this whole area and just how you realized it all. And uh, yeah, we wanted to hear your story and just celebrate Jesus' love for you. And uh, can I, I want to pray for you before we start, but I just want to say, and I know this is true of the shore, like we really love you. Like I can, t the, the whole church right now is really, really being filled with love for you. And so just thank you for, for just doing this for the gospel. And yeah, let me pray. And then uh, we'll listen to just her journey in this. Yeah, Father, I just thank you that you are present. You're present with us right now. And uh, Jesus, you stand as victorious God. And you are a pursuer and a lover of our souls. And I thank you for how deeply you love Christy. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, she would feel like you are standing right next to her. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we listen, and maybe those who will listen later or who are watching, I pray you would just remove all distractions and that you'd fill us with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would just see, Lord, just what we sang about the great and goodness of a God who pursues us. So I thank you for her. I pray you would bless this whole morning. And uh, yeah, we just, we pray if there's any demonic spirits that are present, that are seeking to want to distract or confuse or bring doubt, we just, in Jesus' name, command them to be still. And so Holy Spirit, would you just now come and just fill our time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For those of you who don't know, my name is Christy Duguid, and I've been coming to the shore with my family for almost six years now. This year, God has unveiled my eyes and revealed things to me about myself, my past, my sin, but mostly his goodness and his deep love for me. As long as I can remember, I believed in and loved God. I asked Jesus into my heart at a very young age. I grew up in a Christian home where my dad was a pastor. It was a very loving home with many moments of deep experiences with God. When I was in first grade and my sister was in third grade, the daughter of a family friend babysat for us. That night, she abused both my sister and I. I was entirely too young to process this. I never spoke about it or the effect it had on me. I remember a deep fear at night and crying a lot for a few years. James said last week, the enemy uses shame, so we never say anything about what we're going through. This really registered with me. In the last few years, I had thoughts and lies that slowly spiraled from subtle to constant. They began eroding my faith as well as my confidence, clarity, and direction about who I was until they were written on my heart as truth. Lies, condemnation about who I was as a child of God, a wife, a mom, a daughter, a sister, a friend became constant from the moment I woke up to the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep 
it became paralyzing, hard to make decisions, constant turmoil beating against my faith, never once thinking it was spiritual. My family hardly knew it. I hid it, sometimes telling my husband Sterling when they were very dark moments where I felt I was physically wrestling with these thoughts. Thoughts like, if you died, God wouldn't even know you. I begged God to help me, never thinking it was spiritual. All through this, I was diligently seeking God, talking to God and praying all day, listening to worship music and podcasts, following people on Instagram whose relationship with God inspired me, begging God for this relationship, desiring peace and joy and fruit of the Spirit and to be grounded in who I am as a child of God. But I just couldn't find it. I couldn't authentically reach it. I got up one morning and was washing my hands at the sink and turned and saw a dark spirit standing by my bed. It was tall, thin, had no limbs or face. It was black and opaque and wasn't moving, just standing, facing me. I only told Sterling about it later that day. We talked to James, and we made a time to meet and pray. He encouraged me to think about any sins or secrets that needed to come into the light and to seek forgiveness, opening the suitcase of my soul. I believe God allowed me to see that spirit because it opened my eyes to the truth that this was spiritual warfare. It was about sin and darkness. With this new understanding, I threw open my suitcase and went after anything that God brought to mind. I talked to Sterling. I called my parents, my sister, friends, emailed people, forgiving and asking forgiveness. I realized I had much unforgiveness, holding on to things, anger and bitterness. Things from my past started to make sense. When I called my parents, my mom told me a story that I had never heard before. I was about three years old, living in a small town in Illinois. I was sitting in a grocery cart while shopping with my mom. A woman came up to me and said, you have such a beautiful light around you. And she kissed me on the forehead. My mom immediately prayed for me. And we went home and my mom and dad prayed over me again. My mom knew who this woman was. She was a psychic, a very famous psychic, who had a radio and TV show and was called by police and investigators nationwide, even worldwide, to help solve murders, suicides, and missing person cases. She was a palm reader and used by celebrities to tell fortunes. She was also the neighbor and best friends with the woman whose daughter babysat my sister and I and abused us. When we met with James, God opened my eyes to intentional sin as well as things I didn't even realize were sin. At times, it felt like I was slogging through mud to do the right thing. We addressed all of these things. Some spirits were named, some I will never know the names of. There were some things there were some things in my suitcase brought there by the sins of others, like abuse. A curse was broken that I believe God has shown me was put on me by the psychic who kissed my forehead. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 states, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. My Bible commentary said, Paul is not waging a fleshly battle, but a spiritual one. The weapons of his warfare are not physical, but spiritual. Spending time 
with Jesus, prayer, the word of God, faith, and the power of the Holy Spirit. In these verses, Paul shows us the authority and power that we have in Christ. We are not going to fight spirits with flesh. We are going to fight spirits through the authority of the Holy Spirit. James talked to the Holy Spirit that night in our prayer and asked, what is your purpose here? He very clearly stated, power. My eyes were opened like never before to the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. A realization that I don't have to be bullied by Satan anymore. Through the Holy Spirit, I have more power and authority than I ever realized. I call on the Holy Spirit the moment I wake and all day if lies come into my mind. I heard a quote recently that states, the only power the enemy have o- has over us is the lies we choose to agree with. None of us would knowingly choose to agree with lies, but subtle acceptance over time may erode our faith. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 states, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For the first time, I felt authentic joy and peace. God is still showing me things. But the moment of freedom began when I spoke things out loud, when I brought things into the light. This is a spiritual fight. There's an enemy, and Jesus defined him in John 8 as a liar. He states he is a liar and the father of lies. I was passive about my sin, even about asking forgiveness. I can't be passive. I need to be intentional and on the lookout to not fall into old patterns, to speak it out, fight using the truth of God's word and the powerful name of Jesus. Choose to think differently, memorize scripture, speak it out over myself, over my children. James said, pray for someone else, pray blessings on others. That night of prayer, I forgave the girl who abused me and my sister, and I prayed a blessing on her. 1 Peter 3.9 supports this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. That night with James and my prayer warriors, God was so loving and kind and gentle, not shaming. James asked what God was saying to me, and I felt him physically flood down upon me and said, I love you. I've always loved you. I loved you back when this all happened, and I'll love you forever. Thanks. just just want you to know the Father is really, really proud of you. I uh, remember getting her text, and I felt like Jesus say to me, I'm going to get her free. And I just, I just, I just, oh, this is why we're doing this series. I, I want to say that the goal of understanding a victorious God and winning in the unseen realm is more of him. Like the goal is more of Jesus. 
where Jesus can just flood you with his love that's always, always been there. It's, the goal is deeper communion. The goal as we battle for others in spiritual conflict is, is that we're appropriating God's victory, which is ours in Christ Jesus, against the unseen enemy of our soul. And the goal is rejoicing in him. Um, I love when the disciples, they come back after Jesus gives them authority uh, and sends them out two by two to do deliverance, and they do it, and they come back, and you remember that it says they came back rejoicing that the demons are even subject to us in your name, and you remember what Jesus says to the disciples? I'm, I know he's smiling. He's like, yeah, it is. My authority is breaking back the darkness. But he says this, he says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's like, it's not, the goal isn't, hey, the demons leave when you tell them to go, which is beautiful torment. The goal is in their going, they get, this is the goal, that they rejoice in Jesus, that they get more of him, that your names are written in heaven. That's what my authority in you is for. It's for greater worship and enjoyment of God. And so, Yes, that's why we're doing And let me say this, sure. I just want to kind of come in a little pastoral here. I know this is a hard series, especially um, last week, where I know some of you are saying, James, it's just hard for me to get where you are with this third level, you know, of the demonic realm. And I want you to know that's okay. It's okay. There are people, just so you all know, on our staff, who this is hard for them to get there. Uh, on, on, in our elder team, and, and that's okay. I just, my goal, just so you know from the Lord, isn't to make things feel safe, but it's to get us stronger. Um, being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And when you go to Ephesians 6, which we're about to look at the armor of God today and next week, uh, you need to know that the picture of Ephesians 6 isn't just a bunch of Christians individually all over, like putting up armor. The picture is shoulder to shoulder, shields as one, that we are one church. This army is the church of God. And right now, we're kind of just, you know, all separated with COVID. I know it's hard. It's our third week back. But I sense, as the Lord was saying, go into this series because they're all isolated and the enemy is more active than he's ever been as they are all by themselves. And so here, here's what I want to do. I want to just begin again with this pastoral note here. I want to point out that while we're in isolation, I believe the enemy will be using this moment for many reasons, but one opportunity would be what I'm going to call, and I think the Lord showed me this this week, gift tension. Okay, I want to explain to you something before we get into the passage about gift tension, because the enemy will use gift tension with the goal of turning God's people against themselves. That would be the goal. So here's what I mean. Paul says this, that that the church, the body of Christ is like a body. We're all made of, you know, different parts, but we're made for one another. He uses the imagery that the can cannot say to the foot, I don't need you, right? You guys remember that in 1 Corinthians 12? Uh, He says it this way. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Okay, so where we're at today, let me just give you, I think, a sense of where we're at as a church, okay? Let me suggest people right now with love gifts. So love gifts, you know, are those like mercy, helps, uh, you know, giving, administration. They are right now in this season of COVID, in this season in August, they're having the hardest time, okay? If you have love gifts, and that's how you lean, you're thinking things like, we need to be getting together more. How come people aren't practically, you know, reaching out better? Like, like why, why aren't we preaching about love? What's all this teaching on justice and Amos and, and when no one's serving anyone? And who, who really cares? And spiritual warfare? Like, shouldn't we just all be, like, in the parks getting together and praying, social distance, you know? How come no one seems to care about who's hurting? So if you're a love person, you're thinking that way. You're like, no one, 
Where's our compassion shore, right? That's what you're thinking deep down. This is a hard season for you, and I, I get it. I affirm what you're saying, and we need this perspective. Okay, then there's the word gifts, people. So this is like teaching, exhortation, encouragement, leadership. You're right now going like, man, we, we, we need to be saying more right now. Our culture needs to be more engaged. We need to stand up for truth. James, I think you're doing okay, but you're not saying enough you know, Amos felt good, but you could have addressed the culture better or, or spiritual warfare. Right now, if you have teaching gifts, you're like, yes, this is bi- biblical, but be careful. I don't see that experience in the Bible or, or I need a text about that. And by the way, Christy, you're just filled with scripture. I loved it. But, but if you're a teaching gift right now, you don't feel that comfortable, right? Because you hear experiences and stories and, and testimonies and go, uh, do you have a verse, Pastor? And I love that. We need that. Okay, then, okay, if you have power gifts, um, you're, you're like this. You're, you're so thankful Amos is over because you're like, where was the Holy Spirit in Amos? You were just like, come on, right? And then you're like spiritual warfare. You're excited because you're like, we need this, but you're also having a hard time right now because we're not together. And so, you know, you, you people with power gifts, they want to be together for different reasons than love gifts because they want to experience the love of Jesus through words and, and prophecies and and, and they want to just encounter God's victorious grace. And they're saying to me, James, this is dangerous because we're not all together. And, and some of those with power gifts, you've come from churches that have really misused this. You've seen some wacky deliverance stuff. And, and so you're feeling a little uneasy, but you're kind of like, come on, let's do this. Okay, now, and I agree, I love that too. Now, okay, hold these lines of thinking and put, put us together. Okay, focus with me. Put us together in this series with someone Similar to Christy's story, and let's say we're all three of us ministering and we're listening to a person's journey with hardship, uh, with spiritual conflict. So here's what's happening. You're, you're in a counseling situation. All three uh, categories are there, and the person's sharing. Okay, now the love gift person, they're listening, and, and they're listening to this sister or brother's story with tears. They hear rejection. They hear abuse. They hear torment, and they're crying. They have like this deep empathy and they're praying. But while they're praying, they're thinking, not only this must be so hard, they're thinking things like, why, why haven't I invited them over for dinner? Right? They're praying and going, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to make muffins. I'm coming over Wednesday. I'm going to babysit their kids. And they're praying. If you have love gifts, that's what you're thinking in that moment. And it's beautiful. Okay, now you're a word person. Now listen, listen. You're hearing the same story. The person is pouring out the same truths, but the Lord is putting a collection of scriptures in your mind. Okay, if you have teaching gifts, you, you can see all these like uh, uh, scriptures about the assurance of salvation, and you're just waiting for the Lord to give you the opportunity to teach and to, to you actually can hear all the lies they're believing, and you're going, I know what scriptures I'm going to say here, here, and here, but you're listening, and it's beautiful. And maybe the person shares an experience, and you're like, mm, I don't think I have a text for that, but that's okay, I'll teach. Now listen. If you are a, uh, a power-gifted person, you're listening to the same story. Okay, we're in the same counseling, same truths, but instead of hearing scripture or you should bake muffins, you hear the word self-blame, and you get a picture. You get a picture of Jesus holding this person in your arm. And it's beautiful. Now, if you have the gift of spiritual gifts of discernment of spirits, when they say I'm being tormented, you're like, yeah, the demon's right behind you. Here's my point. All of this is happening. All of this is really, really true and real in this moment. And all of it is beautiful. All of it is the body of Christ hearing self-blame, seeing the demon, knowing the scriptures, knowing that this person's going to be loved after this night. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. But you isolate all of us. And then the word people are going, well, I don't know about this. And the, and the spirit people are like, ah, this doesn't feel like home for me anymore. We're getting too, t- t- t-. and here's what the enemy's doing. He's just trying to divide us. And so I say all that because we need one another. And when the spirit is leading and love is motivating, that kind of night can be the most beautiful night. Because the person with love gifts will pray the most loving thing that you've ever heard over you. And then the person with those teaching gifts will come in with scripture and it'll be beautiful. While the person with power gifts will say, hey, I just saw this picture. And the person with gifts of discernment of spirits will go, I, 
I think we've dealt with some of that. I think the demons look really weak right now. Let's go. That's called sanctification. That's called redemption. That's called the body of Christ. This is what we need when we think about spiritual armor. We need one another's armor. We need one another. But what happens when, when we're divided like this is, what, is gift tension. So here's what I want to say to you. If you're having a trouble in this series, some of it is gift tension. It is. Some of it is gift tension. Where I think God would call us to say, wow, let's, let's enjoy the beautiful picture of the whole body. We need one another. Again, let me say this. My heart in this series is to show us we're in a real war, okay? We're in a real war. There's, there's no ceasefire in, in this unseen spiritual realm of the demonic. There's no, like, truths. They're not like, hey, let's, have, let's take Christmas off and we'll just not attack. No, they're always going after Jesus in, one, in us, and so we need the armor of God. God has shown us, as, as 1 Corinthians 10 says, that we need this armor. And so the goal, here it is, the goal for the church is love. The goal is love and to be strong in the Lord and to exist in the strength of his might. All right? So I, I begin that way because I think I just want to relieve some of the tension we're feeling. And I think some of your tension is gift tension. Because the person with teaching gifts can't be like, well, that spiritual gift doesn't exist. You did not see a demon. Or the person with the spiritual gift of discernment of spirits can't go, don't preach, mini, don't preach mini sermons. We need each other, all right? You guys are all like, yes. Good. Amen. Preach it. All right, let's go. Verse 13. We're just going to get going. We're going to look at two pieces of the armor of God today. Uh, and then uh, we'll look at the rest of the armor next week. So that's where we're going. Uh, verse 13. It'll be on the screen. Therefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you, may able, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day is every day, the last days, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, here's the first one, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I love that. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. I love this. You have to look at this picture of fastened, okay? The belt should not stay in the closet. You need to pick it up and you need to fasten it. Uh, It's to be put on. So what is the belt of truth? Well, let me say before we get there, um, the armor is not defensive protection, okay? Don't picture like we'd better get under the bunker of armor, right? Remember, this is not tug of war. This is chain of command, You have Jesus in you. You have spiritual authority, which we'll hit stronger next week. But Paul is depicting, in Ephesians 6, the church taking the fight to the enemy. Okay, remember what Jesus says after Peter confesses he's Christ the Lord? He says, I will build my church, and then what? The gates of hell, which are set up on earth, will not prevail. I'm coming in, and they're losing David Powelson, a biblical counselor, says spiritual warfare is about taking the battle to the darkness with the Lord as our strength and protection. So what is the belt of truth? Two answers most often suggested is that the truth is the word of truth, the truths that are in Jesus, like the gospel. So Paul uses this phrase in chapter 4, 21. He says, as the truths in Jesus. The second meaning is the absence of all deceit. It's this idea that the truths of Jesus are within us and they're being brought in. They're being deeply trusted in such a way that Jesus has made us truthful. Does that make sense? So we are, we are wearing his truth, trusting in it, and we're becoming truthful. So next week we'll look at the sword, which is the word of God. But I want to focus on what does this mean? So let me put it this way. Wearing truth is about wearing Jesus' thoughts about you. Wearing truth is trusting Jesus' blood over you. Wearing truth is appropriating Jesus' identity within you. It's pulling yourself into the word of God and it's holding you. Okay, so let me say this. When you're practicing honesty and you're receiving his deep love and you're listening to him and you're fixing your eyes on him, you're walking with Jesus and you're turning to him constantly and you're trusting in his words and you're training and renewing your mind in his word, you won't have to worry about the enemy getting access. 
because you're wearing the belt that's holding all the armor. So the whole idea of putting on the belt is that you're in this constant openness to the presence of Jesus and his truths about you. Um, so, so when you're putting on the truths of Jesus within you that are true about you, put another way, you're always counteracting the demon and the demonic temptation to self-hatred, self-pity, to, debilitating, to a debilitating sense of shame. Right? When you're putting on the belt, you're, you're weakening the lies that are coming at you because you're so constantly in his truth over you. Uh, if Satan and demons are... If Satan and demons can get you to over-focus on your commitments or your good theology or your good time in the word or your spirituality rather than on Jesus, it's another tactic of reconnecting your value to you and not Jesus. So what the enemy wants to do is he will do everything he can to get you to think about you too much. If you cannot because then you're not wearing the belt of Jesus, you're wearing your, what, what, your commitments, like I'm committed, I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, you're not rooted in Christ, you're rooted in you, and that's what the enemy wants to do. Demons know the power of the belt of truth. So what they'll do is they will constantly cautious you to opening yourself up. Like Christy's story, they, they will, in deception, constantly encourage you, cover up, cover up, don't share everything. They'll say, pull back. Don't be truthful, just stay committed. Don't access the Father's view of you clearly declared over you as beloved children because you're not, you'll hear lies. And, and his tactic is to keep the things of sin hidden in your life, the things of the pain in your life, the things you hate about yourself. And he'll say, don't become a truthful, honest person. Because if people really, really knew you, they wouldn't love you. If people really, really knew you, uh, they, they, would, they wouldn't want to go near. You're no one like the other people you see. Look at that person in community group. Look how much stronger and better they are. You keep yourself in because if you share that, you are going to look stupid. You need to hide your shame. Those are not from the Father. So here's the key when it comes to spiritual warfare and the truth. If it's not from the Father, it's not true. So if a thought comes into your mind and you hear something about your character or your worth or God, and that's not true about what God says you are in Scripture, it's not from the Father. It's not. In, in Galatians 5, 7, such a good passage, it says this, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from the Father. See, your enemy, he wants you to live your life with thoughts unfiltered, without any sense of being deeply loved. When Satan tempts you, he cannot actually condemn you. You can't, Jesus has already died for you. The enemy knows that. He's not like, this will cause him to go to hell. But what he can do is make you feel or unsure about your value to God. And when you start thinking, my value with God is based on me, you're already on a trap into greater lies and, de and deceit. The belt of truth goes, no, you know what? Jesus actually really loves me. Like, he loves me. The Bible tells the truth is in Jesus. So when, when let's say the enemy, because he's crafty, right? He, he will fill your spouth for a moment where, like, you know, you didn't take out the trash or this didn't happen, and they will just scold you with something about your identity, and you know that person's just reacting from some kind of anger, some kind of stuff in their suitcase. And yes, you should be better at taking out the trash. That's also true. But what you need to do is right there, take that thought to Jesus. Say, is this true of the Father? Does the Father think this about me? Is Because is, Jesus really, really loves me. And the only way you're actually going to go back to your spouse and say, you're right, I, I shouldn't have done that, is because you know you're deeply loved by Jesus. The enemy's always after ripping apart the character of God and who you are in Christ. And so the belt of truth is you exposing condemning thoughts. It's you waking up and going, how I feel right now, like I'm not good enough, and I should have done this better yesterday, and you could have been a better dad, and you, that's not likely from the Holy Spirit, just so you know. Uh, Satan 
loves to give you more foggy feelings like you're worthless. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's specific sin, and it'll feel loving. You'll feel the Father go, I want more of myself in this place in your life. I want you to give this up because I want to give you greater friendship with me. You'll feel that. When you feel clouds of you are not good enough, you shouldn't read your Bible, or when you go to read your Bible and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I never answered that person's email. Oh, I really am not good at this. Oh, oh, that person must hate me. When you hear these thoughts while you're trying to pray, while you're trying, that's not from the Lord. That's just a confusing demonic spirit. He always wants to get the first word. I remember one day I woke up and oftentimes what I do is all these flooding thoughts of my failures will come into my mind. First thing, anyone? Does anyone just feel like not great? Just me, it's fine. Um, And I remember the Holy Spirit one day when I was journaling, he said to me, um, don't let the enemy get your first thought. And I was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. So, um, let, me, let, me, let me quote this again. Uh, so, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul clearly says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds there is in the mind, lies, truths, things where we go, mm, is that from Jesus? Would he say that? If not, we destroy arguments and lies and every lofty opinion raised against what? The knowledge of God. That's the character, the beauty, the person, the works, the love, the truths that are in Jesus. And we take every thought captive to Jesus. That's the key, by the way. The way to actually have a belt of truth on your whole life is to always, always share, Jesus, share with Jesus every thought. Just say, Jesus, I just felt really jealous of her. That was weird. I actually saw her body and thought, how come I'm not beautiful? Like, just get that up. Get that out to Jesus because that's the belt of truth. The belt of truth is you're saying, this is not a truthfulness. This is not something the Father would say over me. This isn't going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, right? And so we, we have to engage there. Another thing let me say is as we go and we wear this armor for others, we need to be more engaged with one another, meaning this. How many of you, when you meet with people, you're listening for uh, what lies this person's believing? You're listening for and even asking questions, hey, I notice you're not doing so well today. What do you think about yourself? What do you hear about yourself? When was the last time you were told that you were really loved by Jesus? Do you feel that Jesus deeply loves you? And just listen and wait. More than likely, there's about nine or ten strongholds in that person that they've been suffocating with all week. And every time they go to their Bible, they never feel good enough. And so they try hard to just read and press in. Where what they will need from you is to bring your armor of God, the truth of God, the presence of Jesus, and you can then do this. You can be open with them. Yeah, I feel that too. When you say that sentence, it'll be like, because that person hasn't shared that because of shame. So let me ask us just before we move on to the next thing, and this sermon will be a lot shorter because of just the time we have this morning. But let me ask you this. How is it going in this area? Are you living in surrendered honesty? Like, are you ready to come out of hiding? I think this is really from the Lord, what I'm about to say next. I think there are some passages in Scripture that you have read dozens of times, but it's never marinated with the healing presence of Jesus not because you can't read, but you cannot heal that which you will not admit. Just like Christy said, there were, there were places in her suitcase that the truths of these passages wouldn't heal because of the things that were hidden in the dark. The point of the belt is you're, you're, you, you have to bring the truths found in Jesus into places of lies because the enemy can't get in anymore. They're like, oh, everything's confessed. 
I can't hook there. That, that guy's struggle with lust, he already shared that. I can't, I can't make him do it tomorrow night again because it's just there's no harder to hook. If you are walking in the light, if you, are, if you know that you're loved by Jesus, you can get into the light. Listen, listen to this. Dishonesty is an open door that will wreak havoc in our lives, especially during any kind of enemy siege. And Jesus isn't nervous. His belt within you is strong, and it's strong enough to hold you. The key to coming into the light is to realize you're inadequate. You actually have to give up the pursuit of self-preservation and go, I'm going to choose to trust in Jesus and what he says over me and what he's done in my life through the gospel. When you can put on Christ, which is what Paul means by that, you'll be totally free. If you want to be free in terms of this internal, like, uh, treadmill, because here's what happens. What you will do is if you don't bring it to light, you'll put on what I call and what lots of people call the Christian mask, right? It, you'll, you'll, you'll try harder next week. Um, and so you'll put on this mask, and you'll feel like you're all alone and no one really sees you. And it's because the belt of truth about who Jesus says you are and how what Jesus sees about you, the true you, and how he loves you needs to be uh, appropriated by, by bringing this stuff into the light. Does that make sense? So one of the things you have to keep remembering, if you remember one thing from this sermon, is this sentence, that's not the Father, or is this from the Father? Would the Father say that? The way you're going to win your war this week, in your life and in your marriage, with the deception of so many things is, is that from the Father? Let me say this. One of the enemy's deceptions is to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will substitute religious activity, do this, try harder. So when you think put on the armor of God, you're like, oh, here's another Christian obligation? That's, trish, that's not life in the Spirit. That's from the enemy. Rather, the Spirit will say, you have all these. These are Christ in you. You have the belt. Take it up. Take it up. It's yours. It's in the closet of your soul. It's just hanging there, right? So put on Jesus. This is who I am and become honest. Here's what we do, though. Some of us turn to the comforts of entertainment. Some of us turn to the comforts of renovations, to the next vacation, um, because it's just easier, right? It's easier in our pain to go there. So I have one question for you before we get to the breastplate of righteousness is this, how does, what does Jesus mean when he says he has come to give you life and life to the full? Okay, so here's the question. What does Jesus mean when he says he has come to give you life and life to the full? I think you just have to go spend time with the Lord on that one. Just ask him. Second, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, this one's amazing. Okay, the breastplate, it covered both the front and the back, which are the major parts of, like, you know, your organs, which is especially what? The heart. So Jesus' righteousness is truly ours. Remember, one of the things we said in week one, the armor of God is God's armor. So this is Jesus' armor, his righteousness. This is Jesus' perfect life lived for us. This is us being protected in our hearts because we are now protected from the death we deserve for our sins. But listen to how Paul says this in two places. Philippians 3, 9, he says, and being, and being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that's Jesus, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. So on the cross, God took all of our sin. He paid the penalty there, and then he lived the perfect life, and he exchanged his life for ours, our sin for his righteousness, and now we are clothed in his righteousness. So let me say this. We must be convinced from Scripture and accept by faith that we have become the righteousness of God. 
Are you convinced that you have become the righteous of God? That is the only kind of armory that will protect your heart. If, if we are wearing a breastplate that is simply our own righteousness, demons can find weak points in a moment in that type of self-sufficient effort. But when we're going, no, what's covering my heart is Jesus' righteousness. It covers, okay? Uh, you know, maybe to borrow from MC Hammer, it's like, ding, 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 you can't touch this. Ding, ding, remember that one? Can't touch this. That's, that's the breastplate of right. You just can't touch this. You can't. You can't. Because Jesus is wearing this over you. There's a beautiful picture of this in Isaiah 59, 17. This will be on the screen. He says, of Jesus, the Messiah, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Paul says later, using the same language, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. That's the character of Jesus. Faith in his righteousness. He adds hope to salvation. So when, when you think of put on the armor and take up, never think hey, there's something else to do to try harder. That's a focus on obligation. Jesus' focus is on people. Jesus' focus is on loving and getting people free. Jesus' focus is on destroying the works of the devil, the grip of darkness, because Jesus has already won. And when we wear the armor of God, we're appropriating his victories. We are walking in his spiritual authority. We are going like, yeah, let's, I, I can battle for my sister's soul because I'm, I'm honest. He's got nothing on me. I have the word of God holding me. I know Jesus loves me. And I got this breastplate of righteousness. Like that word is beginning to go to war here. But you're going in a battle. And you know what's really crazy is in, I think in this spiritual realm, the brightest part of us that demons see and other even psychics can see it is the breastplate of righteousness. They see that like, I, th I would call it like lightning. Because it's interesting, in Romans 1, Paul says that the power of God in the gospel is that the righteousness of God is, is put on display. So the power of the gospel is that his righteousness is made manifest. So his righteousness over us is the power against the enemy. When you can go, that's covered by the blood of Jesus, that, that is great power, by the way, in the unseen realm. So when you're battling with someone and they're like, man, this keeps coming up, you can say, that's actually covered in the blood of Jesus. And I want you to now share that with Jesus. That demon, just so you know, because I have the gift of spiritual gift of discernment, he weakens. You can see it weaken in the person and it's amazing this is the armor. we have this armor we're to use this armor we have a responsibility to use it for god's purposes if we don't engage the darkness listen he will not be destroyed if we don't drive him back he will not leave the demonic realm knows about our authority and armor but they hope we will stay ignorant we must be as convinced of our authority in Jesus, of our armor, as the devil is. And so I want to close with, with Jesus' words, and we're going to pick it up here next week. But in Luke 10, this will be on the screen, Luke 10, 19 and 20. Behold, I have given you, this is the disciples, it's the same sentence he gives to the whole church in Matthew 28. I give you authority. So you have authority. If you have Christ in you, behold, I give you authority to what? To do what? What's God's purposes in some of the spiritual authority we have? Someone yell it out. To what? Tread. Tread. Someone do a treading action. What would it be to tread? Yeah, you were tread. Tread on what? Serpents. That, that's an Old Testament imagery of demonic spirits and demonic gods that were behind Pharaoh and other beings and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, how much of the power? All. How much? All. So in you, you have authority to tread on how much of the enemy's power? All. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, 
I love this. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The goal of our spiritual armor is never to just about our authority over the demonic spirits. The goal of spiritual armor is to get people to see and love Jesus more and to know they're loved by him. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me pray. So Jesus, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for this time. And I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we, we, um, we just think on and walk with you and, and put on truth, Lord, if there were things that you highlighted in us today or even during Christie's story that the Spirit said, the reason you're listening to this is because I also want to get you free, that even as we sing now, Holy Spirit, would you just turn our hands into a, a hands of surrender? And I pray that we would have the courage and the presence of Jesus' love and victories over us to now walk in the light because you're in the light and the light is beautiful. The light really, really loves us and the light wants to come within us and the light is Jesus. And so Jesus, I pray that if there's any shame or fear, would you just now come and bring a new determination, bring a new resolve, bring a new zeal to want people to get free and may we as a church not shrink back. May we as a church go to war for one another. May we as a church fight for the gospel truths that are ours in Christ Jesus as shown to us in this unbreakable word of God. And we love you, Holy Spirit. I just bless Christy in Jesus' name. I pray you would just cover her today with a sweetness of grace and rest. And just as we sing, I pray we'd really experience you. And so, Lord, may we just respond. May we just respond. And, uh, Lord, for those who are experiencing gift tension, I just ask that you would give us peace and grace to turn outward and turn towards love and be excited about the other. Be excited about the body of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.